Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 328th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that's limited edition and hand-numbered every single week. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. Super glad to be here. I'm looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you. This show, as always, is produced by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at MTGPrice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read some articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. I can tell you our members definitely took advantage of that this week because there was a 15% off foils and a $210... Minus 5% gets you about $200 for Neon Dynasty collector booster boxes that were briefly posted to Cool Stuff Inc., our lovely sponsor. And if you have loyalty rewards at Cool Stuff, you could have had an additional 15% off, which would have been 30% off key foils. And there were some very good deals to be had down that road. 30% is below buy list, man. That's uh, that's just giving it away. Yeah, I picked up, I think, some foil morphic pools from Commander Legends 2 and some Showcase Ancient Gold Dragons, I believe, at solid pricing. And yeah, looking looking good over at Cool Stuff. So, Cliff, what is on our agenda this week? Uh, this week we're going to start off with the Magic Online Game and Review. We've got uh, a Modern challenge, a modern Showcase Challenge to look over and a Pioneer Showcase Challenge to look over. Uh, then we're going to talk about the top movers online and in paper. We're going to talk about... Uh, cards you and I have picked for uh, future growth opportunities. And then we're going to get into uh, two things that, that happened uh, today was the uh, Beetle and Grim uh, dragons got launched and snapped up and then the new secret layer that dropped we're going to talk about. All right, plenty to go over. Let's dive right in here on the Modern Showcase Challenge, which would have been one of the bigger tournaments on Magic Online. This was on this past Saturday, and top of the heap there was Living End, a perennial top eight this season. Grixis Shadow featuring four times Ledger Shredder in second place. Omnath Bring to Light variant with four Bring to Light and four Dryad of the Elysium Grove, and I think Escape Shift probably in there as well in third. Uh, a more straightforward four-color Omnath in fourth, this time with four times Traverse the Ulvenwald. That's a card that's only really ever showed up in modern and Jun decks in the past, and very interested to see, would, would be interested to hear from the author of that deck list why Traverse is suddenly uh, worth making that list, which is dominated by multicolor, uh, high-powered cards. Uh, you know, tutors are great, and I guess it's just they, they're in a position where they can hit Delirium reliably enough to be able to tutor stuff up. Uh, Blue-Red Murktide in 5th, also running 4 times Ledger Shredder. So between the Blue-Red Murktide list and Grixis Shadow, you have two, at least Tier 1 and Tier 1.5 decks in Shadow, uh, running the Shredder consistently in Modern, which is uh, obviously quite good for that card. 
Four Color Omnath uh, again in sixth. And this one ran a Spell Stutter Sprite and three Ice Fang Coatl that uh, drew my attention. And then there was a new Jund list in seventh running two Riveteers Charm and back to running the full four Goif. And then Blue White Hammer Time wrapping us up in the top eight. I'm sorry, you, it is 2022 and somebody's playing four times Tarmogoyf? Bless your heart. That's impressive. Still a big creature, and you can get all the right types in the yard. Like I can, I can see Riveteer's Charm doing some work too. But the um, the Spell Stutter Sprite, I would like to know, like that comes into play. You're going to counter something that costs one or zero. I start. No I other... started looking for Bitter Blossoms. <laughs> I was like, is this five right. color Omnath with Bitter Blossom for some reason to justify the sprites? But I don't see any other fairies in this list. Am I missing something? Uh, if you are, we're both missing it. I don't see any lands that are making fairies. There's no uh, changeling creatures in here. I, I guess one of the things that's cute you can do with it is you can get them with an Eladomri's Call into a Spell Stutter Sprite. For, for all we know, this was an, ex- an entirely experimental slot. <laughs> it could have been a misclick. I don't know. But uh, in a 80-card Yorion deck, you've got space for, you know, some fun ofs and... Uh, they went there. I really like, um, you mentioned the Traversy Uvenwald in the Yorion deck. It just makes the deck smaller. You're hardly ever going to search for a basic, but you get to go search up your one Besaju. You get your Ottawara if you really need it. And then you've got all the fun of go find Emrakul because you've got amazing uh, graveyard stuff going on. This is uh, this is fun. I like this. One thing I... Uh... The River Tears charms in the Jund list... Riveteer's Charm is Jund casting cost. Target opponent sacks a creature or planeswalker they control with the highest mana value among creatures and planeswalkers they control. So that's good for getting rid of Merktide regions. Um, also, exile the top three cards of your library until your next end step. You can play them. So that's some card advantage, potentially. Or has the flexibility to exile target player's graveyard. Um, so a, a flexible card, uh, but we haven't seen much of it in modern to date. So this is uh, one to keep an eye on, I suppose. Um, although, given its casting cost, I don't think you can expect to see it in very many other places other than in Jundless. Yeah, this is also playing uh, some fun of spell bombs. You got one mil- one black spell bomb, one red one, and one shadow spear for your Urza Saga to go find. Like, and that's just what it always blows my mind. That's just free on Urza Saga. You don't have to pay any mana for that. You just yeah. boom, you get it. You're going to get two constructs. And, and along the way, you made some constructs, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. One thing I will say is that over the last month or so, the four-color Omnath decks seem to have stepped up a level. There's a ton of experimentation going on, and week in, week out, it's fairly common to see two or three of them make the top eight. And I think that if that edges up a little further, and it's three or four per top eight, and that becomes consistent, that deck may get nerfed. I would not disagree with you on that. Like, Omnath's a, a fun card to break. It's a, you know, I, I don't know what else I could have done to make it more difficult to cast. But um, there are so many ways you can play an Omnath deck. Uh, it does work awfully well with the uh, Bring the Light strategies. You know, you've got your fetch lands going on, and you're going to be able to bring the light for five immediately after playing Omnath. So there's, there's a lot of good stuff you can do with it. And I, I like seeing... Like, this uh, particular 6th place deck, this is just a value deck. It's not trying to do 
anything especially broken. It's just Omnath for lots of value. I could also see wizards introducing some kind of modern playable creature that punishes you for having access to a lot of colors. Uh, what's the card that punishes landfall? It's like one in a blue. And if they've had an extra land come into play, they have to bounce a land or something. When it comes to play, you draw a card. I don't remember what it's called, but they they clearly need to do something like that. But if you make it too good, it takes over the format. You make it too bad, then nobody plays it. So it's a very difficult line to walk. It is That is a tough line to walk. Anyway, moving on over to the Pioneer Showcase Challenge from uh, June 13th. So that was the Sunday. We have Mono Green in first and fourth. We have Blue White Control in second. We have Mono Blue Spirits featuring four Ascendant Spirit in third. We have Blue Black Control standing out as one of the more interesting lists in fifth. And then Bant Spirits running four Collected Company in sixth. And then just as in modern you have a four color yorion control list here in seventh with four transmogrify four essica's chariot four narset parter avails two the wandering emperor and four fable of the mirror breaker this is just these money pile decks in both formats are just piles of specs (laughs) card after card after card that was a spec at some point or another yeah this is a thing of beauty i'm I'm for this. I don't I don't even know where to start. Four color Yorion in Pine. The, the cute thing here is that between Silkenzen and the tokens off Wandering Emperor and Eska's Chariot tokens and Fable of the Mirror Breaker, Shark Typhoon tokens, Birth of Miletus, you have a bunch of ways to try to go get an Agent, agent of Treachery. Yeah. So it's got some Winoda-esque aspect to it. It's interesting, because you... Um, they banned Winoda. I thought Agent of Treachery was banned in Pioneer. I guess not. Apparently not. Um, it's also uh, a fun deck. They, uh, they've got the Coma here in the sideboard, or the Rurik Thar, if you want to get super spicy in the sideboard, and you need to transmogrify into something else broken. I, I always appreciate the level of of work that goes into figuring out exactly which ones to do. And the, the chariot synergies are, are real impressive in here. You're going to make a copy of your mirror breaker token. And then wrapping that top eight up in eighth place, we have five color Niv Mizzet, which is a deck I haven't seen in a little while, uh, but also running four bring delights. So, I mean, you've got an archetype in both modern and pioneer running four bring delights this week leads me to get curious about what foil bring delights go for. Cause I don't think they've ever caught a reprint in battle for for Zendikar was about five, six years ago at this point, I think. And the set was uh, definitely overshadowed um, by the premium cards you could pull out of it, and it was not especially well regarded. BTL was definitely called on this cast as a spec at some point and never really got there. It just took, took too long. But if you look at the BTL foils, they're just kind of coasting along, doing nothing much. 47 listings left, $7 or so. There's no major pressure on them. Most of the sales history on TCG Player is, is like near mint or LP, but not foil. It's kind of frozen in time, that spec. Not really moving anywhere. Especially um, it when I typed into Google, uh, 
it comes up as being in Double Masters too. That buries that speck in the ground. In the ground. <laughs> Although there will be a foil etch that looks cool. But no. Interesting. So, top paper movers. Uh, some action on Commander uh, Legends 2 cards. The set is widely being panned as being having very swingy, often poor cracking uh, experiences. Just be, There's a ton of rares, a ton of mythics. The in a very narrow swath of really good cards that are holding their value uh, at present. So tough for the folks that, that went into on that sealed product and were hoping for it to be a Commander Legends-esque experience. Uh, so far, it's looking like the opposite. Wizards better hope they do a real good job roping people in with solid EV in the Commander Legends, uh, sorry, the Double Masters 2 collector booster boxes because if they if they fail <laughs> the masses twice in a row there are going to be some there's going to be a lot of angry folks now there is still some movement though battle angels of tier uh solid angel slash just g- generally good edh card i played against it last weekend in our testing session with the pro traders and indeed did about what you would expect it to do swung in took t- forced 12 damage through on turn five drew them gain them some life, or do them some cards, um, or whatever the triggers are on, on Battle Angel. Uh, they got a couple of them off real early. We eventually dealt with it a turn or two later, but certainly did its job for four mana. Uh, going from 11 to 1350, so just 22% gains, but just shows early pressure at a time when almost everything else in the set is falling through the floor. Likewise, the Ancient Dragons from Commander Legends 2 are have been targeted heavily as being both hard to pull um in the set and having two variants one of which is preferred over the other the foil borderless and yet even just the regular copies of ancient gold dragon went from nine to twelve dollars 33 percent gains on early spec targeting i think i think those the the better three or four of the dragons are probably good to be targeting in regular copy at that sub ten dollar price point for gains over the next year year and a half because unlike something like modern horizons 2 where you had waves of set booster boxes being released throughout the whole year, I find it very hard to believe that vendors are going to be able are able or willing to take on more of this inventory as the year progresses. So I suspect that whatever has been printed to date is it. You know, not just talking about collector booster boxes, but also talking about the is draft booster boxes, right? Not set. Right. With the with the set. So those draft booster boxes, I really can't see there being a wave six months from now. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Right, like we're still getting Modern Horizons 2 draft boxes, right? Yeah, there is a wave, I think, in Europe this week of set booster boxes for MH2, and that should be the cap on it, or pretty close to it. Which makes sense, that set was supposed to be available for a year, as opposed to something like Time Spiral Remastered, which was only ever supposed to be a one-and-done set that was kind of available for a couple months and then started heading up the hill. Um, so yeah... Ancient Gold Dragon and Battle Angels of Tear, regular copies, just showing some early movement. Then Angel of Invention foils of a Kaladesh going from 14 to 19. That's been a slow, steady climb on the back of Giada, up another 35% this week. Um, just a solid angel to, to throw into that deck. Dragon Tempest out of Iconic Masters foils going from 7 to 11, 57% gains there on the back of all the dragon support in Commander Legends 2. If that set does one thing very well, it is support dragon decks. There are There's so many dragon accessories, it's true. Yeah, lots of trinkets for you dragon fans out there. Curious Obsession is a four of in Blue Spirits and Pioneer, and the foils from Rivals of Ixalan went from 9 to 15 as a result, 67% gains. 
Hard to believe there are many people out there holding those in quantity, but be aware, just in case. Aladomri's call out of M25 foils from 20 to 36. That's on the back of, a, of modern usage in Omnath decks, etc., plus EDH usage per- persistently. And and the fact that those foils... Uh, when did we last see those? Was it Double Masters? I think so. I think that's... Quick look. No, it was... No, 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 no. It was Modern Horizons, Plane Shift, and Mo- Masters 25. So, yeah, it's been a minute. I would argue they actually could show up in Double Masters 2 on that basis, but hopefully for anybody holding, they will dodge that. And then the ancient aforementioned Ancient Gold Dragon borderless version, those foils went from 40 to 85. I did, I did flag in the Discord when everybody was talking on Friday or Saturday this weekend about how Copper Dragon was up over 300 briefly, then fell back towards 200 and then slid a little ways under that. And that the silver, I believe, and uh, brass dragons had also spiked really hard. That the gold dragon was not that much worse than the black or blue one. And is certainly just as attractive of a reanimation target as some of the others uh, in a lot of cases. And posited that these $40 ancient gold dragon borderless were worth snapping off a handful of. And I think I bought four or five, maybe it was a little bit more than that. I will, I'm curious to see whether this speculation-induced spike based on the relative rarity of the card will be able to stick or whether it will slowly coast back down towards that, that $40 price point that it debuted at. Likewise, Ancient Copper Dragon uh, borderless foils went from, as I said, 80 to like 200 plus, 150% gains very quickly. And people have flipped them at that price already. And I think that's a totally fine play. Whether this ends up being a $125 card or a $400 card down the road, if you can get your 100% plus inside a week, you just take it and roll on to the next thing. Exactly. I was about to say that even though I, I love dragons and I quite frankly need uh, one of each one of these dragons, uh, if I could have uh, done that flip, I would have done it in a heartbeat. I think if I've cra- if you cracked one of these... You can just go ahead and sell. Yeah. I'd sell it. And just buy yourself a regular copy? Uh, No, I probably am going to be content to just uh, maybe get a pack foil. Although those are still like 60 or 50 or 60, yeah. Yeah. They're going to... It would be a placeholder until later when, theoretically, the price should come down. Like, something's going to happen with these silly cards. I think what will happen is the speculators who bought them early-ish will undercut each other by you know, two, three, four, five dollars at a time, driving the price back d- down because there will be more supply from them than they're w- filling in that gap, then there will be persistent demand for the card at $200 plus. And so it should drift down from here. We've seen very similar things with lots of the most premium cards out of, uh, out of recent sets where they spike very... Foil Phyrexian Vorinclex comes to mind. Even Foilesh, the Wandering Emperor, um, and Foil Borderless, the Wandering Emperor, etc., in Japan and North America, spiked really hard early and then drifted uh, as the spotlight moved on. So I think like when you see a spike in the first few weeks like this, you just take that money and run, and yep. uh, you never look back. Gateway Plaza tops the list. War of the Spark Foil, two dollars to eight dollars on the back of all the gates support. That was also in Commander Legends 2. I'm not as confident in in that deck in the mid to long term because I don't see that commander showing up anywhere in the top stats on EDH rack. So I would be 
definitely flipping whatever gate specs you have your hands on as quickly as you can. Moving right along to top Magic Online movers of the week, we've got Old Growth Troll out of Caltime going from 2.68 ticks to 3.92, 46% gains out of Mono Green Pioneer. We have Bone Crusher Giant out of Throne of Eldraine uh, going from 8.55 ticks to 12.4 ticks for uh, 45% gains. Kalidas Trader of Get. Oath of the Gatewatch, 3 to 4.68 ticks. That's 55% gains from the red-black mid-range pioneer deck with uh, red-black vampires, I suppose. And then Cavalier of Thorns from that mono-green pioneer winning list this week, going from 9.87 to 15.67 ticks. That's 59% gains. That's an M20 mythic, seeing four of play consistently in pioneer. I do love a good mono-green list. It just... So simple, so fun, so satisfying. Heading on over to segment three, cards to watch. I've got a little spicy uh, one that you can't go too deep on because there just aren't enough copies floating around. At Sushi the Blazing Sky game day promo, so these would have been from the winter, um, available through your local LGS at a time where people were starting to drift back into their LGSs, but I suspect there there wasn't tremendous distribution on these um, given attendance. Promo foils of this card are currently available at around $9, and Card Kingdom will give you $12.60 or something in credit, so about the same amount in cash as you would be paying for them for the first few copies available in the market. And it's the second most played Mythic out of Neon Dynasty in EDH. 10,000 EDH rec decks so far registered, 5% of all red decks. It's a treasure card. I run it in Corvold happily. It's a four casting cost dragon, and dragon decks just got a ton of support, and Ur-Dragon oh, is seeing so seeing a boost in build levels as a result. And if we look at the top commanders on EDH rec for the past week, Ur-Dragon is number one. Yeah! And the second is Miriam, uh, the rare uh, teamer dragon, and you would run it in there as well. So the top two commanders of the week both want it, and then... Corvold is currently ranked number 8, and I also run it there. You could also make an argument that you might run it in Henzi Toolbox Torre, uh, because it's an interesting creature to blitz. Because uh, so, if you blitz it, you're going to draw a card and... And get the effect of either three treasures <laughs> yeah. or play the top two. Yeah. So arguably four of the top ten commanders are into Atsushi. And their promo foils are down to just... There are 13 listings left near Mint on these on TCG Player. All mostly in and around that $10 to $12 mark. Um, well, $9 to $11, I suppose. And then, you know, after 10 or, 10 or so copies are snapped up, these are basically just not going to exist. Now, if you're late to the party and you don't see those lying around, I think you would take a, a hard look at either regular copies or you can take a look at borderless foils near $20. Could also see a doubling, I think, over the next year, year, year and a half, or even sooner, because they aren't particularly deep in inventory either. I think when I looked at that earlier, we were looking at 39 listings, no major walls, like onesie twosie from most vendors. A couple of the bigger vendors have three or four copies listed, but the, the art on those is better, I think. I think that, that borderless art is clearly better, and from a personal perspective, I think that's the copy I would go with. Um, but given the, the buy list support from CK on these game day promos, I think you'd be fine to go either way. Like, listen, there's, uh, I'm a, 
from a teacher. I'm used to people sucking up to me in my class, James. And you're over here picking uh, game day promo dragons that I've, I've got all over the place. And so I can do nothing but put a gold star on this and say this is a great pick, especially when backed up by support. Um, I agree that, you know, you can get that the, the locked-in version on the promos is the simplest way to go because you know it's not going to go anywhere. But also, like, the, the multi-way appeal of the borderless foil is also very intriguing on this. So this is a, a great pick, and I support it wholeheartedly. So let me take a look at how deep the inventory is on the regular versions, because all my research lately says you're supposed to buy regulars of most things. Regulars, I'm assuming, have a much deeper supply. We're looking at 112 listings. There are some walls, but not massive ones. Six copies here, 12 copies there. The thing that I like about this, and the reason that this research article I'm still in the still in the process of of releasing it. I know I've mentioned this a couple times on Cast Lately, but truly, folks, this is going to be like a six or eight thousand word article. Uh, by the time I'm done, I'm probably going to break it up into two parts, I suppose. The reason regular cards are so good is because lower price point stuff just doubles and triples more easily without hitting a psychological price barrier that eliminates potential buyers. Something can go from 5 to $10 or to $15, even to 20 without it being a very big deal. You can still, you know, a playset for 30 versus a playset for 60 doesn't really change the demand all that much. But a playset going from 50 to 200 does. Um or a you know a masterpiece card going from 300 to 600 does so there you have it atsushi currently available under five dollars uh let me throw one more thing out there in favor of the regular copies mm-hmm. without looking because i know you got the page up guess how many copies it sold today uh recording on the 14th i'm gonna guess something like that is like 12 copies you're off by half it's 23 that's and that's was, an impressive number, and it and this is of the regular ones too. And keep in mind yeah. that it's almost certainly because of the combination of those four generals we discussed. Right, it's good in many of the, and this is like the the best time to look at it. But uh, this is also worth noting: we are not at the uh, bottom for Atsushi. The bottom was probably back in April when it was under four dollars. And now it's up to five. If you go to the top, expand your research to the top 20 commanders, you catch another commander that wants it, which is Zeatora. Zeatora, the incinerator, is three Jund for a 6-6 flyer. At the beginning of your end step, you can sack a creature. When you do, Zeatora deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target, and you create th- three treasure tokens. So when you sack at Sushi to Zeatora, you can get six treasure tokens and deal four damage to something. That's pretty outstanding. So, yeah, you get five of the top 20. So 25% of all the most popular commanders right now have a reason to run at Sushi. So you said 24 copies in a day? Uh, 23. That's an impressive number. So, you know, if you're the kind of person that thinks my foil picks uh, should be regular, take a look at those regulars. Uh, what's your first selection this week, Cliff? My first selection this week is a card that uh, I had to triple check that none of us have picked it, although I'm certain we've talked about it. Uh, Panharmonicon in the Old Border Foil. Uh, okay. We have pretty much reached the bottom on uh, how much it is, and the supply is minuscule. Uh, right now you can get it for about $40. I'm picking it to double up into the 80 range, 
uh, just because we've seen what these all border foils can do. We're not going to get any more of them. Um, even if we got, and I, we haven't yet had secret layer old border frame reprint of things. Uh, and besides, the secret layer already had the Panharmonicon blueprint looking one, and that's like a borderless, and it's just not as cool looking as the retro border frame. So uh, right now it's popping up in 51,000 decks on EDH rec, and it is probably a card in a bazillion casual decks that never get registered because it's just so good. And if you need a sweet version of Panharmonicon, now is your time to get there. You have 27 vendors. Almost none of them have uh, lots of copies. It's ones and twos, the occasional three and four, and it goes real quick to 50. And then you're uh, off to the races. Uh, like I said, I'm picking 80, but I would not be shocked at 100 or more. And I see some prominent pro traders, including a couple of our mods, with placeholder pricing up over 100. The um, So yeah, you've got 27 listings left. The card is very good. If it got a foil borderless version and Double Masters 2, I think that would create drag here. If it dodges a fancy version, either via Secret Layer or Double Masters 2 then you're in better position. I'm not ruling anything out with Wizards. Like The reason the reason this wasn't selected on cast prior is because since its release, the many of the OBFs have done nothing but tumble. Um, people, somebody asked me in the Discord the other day, like, what happened there? Like, why, why did they, in Travis's words, fail? And I think the most obvious answer is that vendors didn't know how to price them properly. They, they assumed Old Border Foil was, demanded a premium that had not yet been tested by the market. And they went ham on posting them all at really ridiculous prices. And it turns out that very few of them could hold that premium price tag based on their overall demand. In fact, the, the only ones that have really done all that well were Yogmoth and Chalice of the Void. Tobin's veto is up there too. Uh, in terms of starting lower and getting higher, because I think I don't think that one started. Tobin's well, yeah, it uh, it was pretty cheap for a while, and then it's gotten pretty expensive. See that? See this is Dovin's veto though, is the perfect counterexample that proves my point. Dovin's veto was underestimated. It wasn't okay. priced super high. It was one of the ones that was priced under forty dollars. So it right. has it has done well. When uh, when better quote unquote better cards have done, uh, have gone downhill. This has gone uphill because of where they both started. So the the okay. Panharmonicon started at ninety and have and fell all the way down to the current level, and now is probably somewhere close to the correct entry because they have a chance to nap. They they found their equilibrium given their initial supply, which then gets eroded over time, and the equilibrium shifts back up the price curve. But with Dovin's Veto, they got down as low as 31 or so in October, and then they've gone up ever since, and they've basically gained from 30 to 50 in that interim. And they are down to just 12 listings, headed for probably $100 and not too long in the future, supported by consistent play in EDH and play in blue-white control decks in Pioneer and Modern. Yep, I'm, I'm with you on... Uh, all counts. Do you think uh, 40 to 80 sounds right in the next 6 to 12 months for Panharmonicon? Is that too optimistic to say 80? Where are we starting from? We're starting from 40? 40. Somewhere between 60 and 80. All right. I, feel, I feel pretty good about. 
the again i think it alert largely depends on whether wizards coughs up another premium version of the card it's the kind of thing they can throw in in a lot of different places and it does right. feel to me like a secret layer-esque card uh, it also seems like the kind of thing they could throw in double masters as a borderless version it does double up on triggers there's no getting around that but we like... we are getting previews starting this week already <laughs> like commander legends just released last week and we're getting there's a preview stream this week for double masters too so I think this is the kind of thing where you could just hold off on this for a week. It's probably not going to move anywhere in the interim, uh, despite us mentioning it here. And, you know, revisit this once you've seen the reveals list for Double Masters and you feel like Panharmonicon's been squeezed out based on the uh, alphabetized uh, card count for the set. All right. I can can dig that. Uh, All right. So another... I've been keeping my eye on these gilded foils from... Streets of New Capanna. And one of the ones I've got my eye on that I think the shine is off of a little bit, um, but I'll get to that in a second, is Jetmere Nexus of Revels Gilded Foil. You and I both know the Gilded Foils are very hard to pull. They only show up in collector booster boxes. Uh, these ones got started up over 70. They got as low as 41. They bounced back up to 63 when Jetmere was in the top five commanders for a few weeks. But as that energy has shifted back towards the top commanders of the last year, plus the dragon decks, um, the shine has come off at some, and from 63, it's tumbled back down towards... Copies are now available around $45. There's 46 listings left. That's very low for a premium card that just came out a couple months within the last couple months. Uh, and I suspect that these are going to drift... They might go further down, like you could probably wait till 40, look look for a copy on Facebook between 35 and 40, and, and maybe get an even better entry point. So I'm not sure you're supposed to get in right now at 45. Uh, it might be safer for me to say that your entry, your target entry is 40, and you're going to go for 40 to 70 or something. And the thing I like about this is, it's not reliant on Jetmere staying a popular commander, although I think He's, he's probably top 20 of the year, but won't be top five. Uh, it's okay because it's an auto-include in Ginny Fey, which is even less popular, but still, there are three... That's an adorable crusade you're on. Well, no, but it's not... What I'm trying to say is there are actually three or four commanders that came out of Streets of New Capenna all in the Calibretti... Uh, the Naya colors. And combined they're actually very popular overall and so if you believe that there's already naya tokens demand and that these added a big chunk of naya tokens demand and that in the future you're going to get some other naya tokens general where you're going to want jenny and jetmere in those decks all of that combined says i think jetmere is going to see a lot of play in tokens decks for a lot of years and it's it's a the kind of effect that you know, you and I talked either last week or the week before about looking at specs through the lens of how unique is this versus other cards. And I think Jetmere's text box is fairly unique. Okay. Uh, my only concern is one you already addressed in that I do think that right now is not necessarily when I want to be in on it. And I agree with you that waiting a little while is probably going to pay off. Like the the, the graph is definitely trending downward, and, uh, you know, you're at 45, and getting in, you know, 35, maybe 40 would, would feel a lot better, but it's not going to 
take a lot of movement. It is still selling at a brisk pace right now. So it, whatever copies are left, uh, if it keeps up, they'll be gone within the next couple of weeks. It's, so. it's well, I mean, you've got buy. It's, it's always hard to say that because even like in this case, we see two about two copies per day selling. You say that you've got 46 listings. Average listing is like 1.25 copies or something. So you, you figure that it would take like a couple of months and then you'd be at zero. It doesn't really work like that because other copies right. get added back into the marketplace. And so it's it's hard to predict your, your true depletion rate against emerging supply. But uh, all that being said, with a premium card like this, seeing two copies sell a day is pretty good. Because in some other cases with premium, like an ampersand promo or something, you might see a copy sell every three or four days where you have things that are largely rarity based, only really sought out by collectors trying to complete play sets, not really seeing a lot of play per se into actual decks. But Jetmere is a, you know, a fancy commander who also fits in the 99 of its theme. So I think that's a, a pretty decent place to be. One of the other ones I would look at from that that group, Voidrend. Oh, oh, Voidrend. Yeah, that's a good one. Because in Esper decks in EDH, this is just a new staple, like an S-tier staple in Esper. Because destroys target non-land permanent. Be nicer if it exiled, but because it can't be countered, that gives you a very, you know, it's going to earn a slot a lot of the time because it's a reliable removal spell when you need one. And those have also drifted down. They started about 20, they got up to about 25, they got down to 18, they went to 19, and then they slid, slid, slid down the hill. And you can currently get them at about 12 or $13. And those, because they're rares, not mythics, you're at not 46 listings, but 69. And they're, nice. you know, largely onesie twosie as well. And I think that, you know, Void Rand is probably... Um, if you don't want to like lean on something like Jetmere in pursuit of Naya tokens as a general theme, Voidrand is more just like, am I in these three colors? Right. Like th- like you said, this goes into, if you're in these colors, why would you not play this card? You have to come up with a, a very specific reason not to. And it may be easier for Voidrend to get from 12 to, say, 25 than it is for Jetmere to get from 40 to 70, just because of psychological price point barriers. Every time I look at Jetmere, I'm, I'm like, oh my god, they only made this four mana. What were, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, it feels like a six mana a six mana card. It really does feel like a six mana card, because you, you've got like basically a 6-4 Vigilance for four mana. Just well, Ginny Fey is three mana. Ginny Fey is, is different, because like, she's only a 2-2, two, two, right? 3-3. Three, three. And... Three, three? Yeah, three three, and and every time that deck goes off, it's, it's it goes off a turn faster than Jetmere, at least. Right. Because because as soon as the if Ginny Fee survives a turn cycle, you typically get to do a bunch of silly things. There's a lot of commanders under that umbrella, which makes me happy. All right, so your next selection. Uh, oh, this one. Okay, cool. I know I know I've selected foil extended arts of this, but hit me with the alternate version. Uh, well, on the topic of, I didn't realize I was picking something else, doubles, right before Double Masters, um, I've picked the silver screen copies of Unnatural Growth um, out of Double Masters. Uh, yeah, I'm not Double Masters, out of Double Feature. Oh my god, I just realized. Stuff. They, yeah, they just need to stop with this. Uh, right now you can find them on TCG Player for around $15. Uh, there's exactly 25 uh, people selling near mint foils, and uh, there only one person has uh, four or more, so the supply is minimal. This is one of the more popular non land cards fr- 
from uh, Midnight Dawn. Not Midnight Dawn. That's uh, that stupid uh, Twilight book. Midnight uh, Hunt. Midnight Hunt. Um, so, you know, it's already in 19,000 decks. It's one of the, like I said, one of the top uh, non-lands. And it's just got a really bunch of really fun synergies going forward. It's a bear to cast at quad green. But there's a whole lot of decks that, like, double it up. I'll take it and want to do disgustingly broke things and i want to encourage that so i originally called the foil extended arts on september 28th and on september 28th they were about 14 dollars. and i called them i said that this is a foil extended art rare as good as this is it's going to go downhill we've seen this over and over again that foil extended art rares even if they start pretty high there's enough of them cracked over a period of time that they will push down before they push up. Uh, in a lot of cases, you know, things like Ledger Shredder not, notwithstanding, uh, you know, when you are when you have a bunch of constructed decks that need four copies of something, it's different than when you have a potential A or S tier staple for EDH, which is what growth is. The So the foil extenders at the time were in the, the high teens or so, and I said it was going to get down to six. Well, it never got down to six, but it has gotten down to eight and a half. So correct to tell you to wait. And now is probably your entry somewhere this summer on all versions of this card, including the one that you're calling. Down to 86 listings on the foil extended arts. How many do we have of the silver screen foils? Uh, we have a lot less. We have uh, 26. Sure. And And what's the entry point here? We're looking at... 15. That's a pretty good price for those. That's what I'm saying. Thank people, you for agreeing with me. P- people all, uh, often forget with this card, or miss on first reading, that this is every combat. This isn't just yeah. when you attack. This is on your opponent's combats. So it's a rattlesnake card in EDH where you're like, growth, attack, do a bunch of damage. My creatures that didn't attack, they're going to be twice as big. Are you sure you want to attack me? And that protects you all the way back around the table this is a very good card in aggressive strategies for edh and it can get out of hand very quickly i i do out of hand things with it in my um my zaxara hydra deck where all my hydra tokens get to double up and just flex all over the place and just break face it's so wonderful i I really enjoy this card if you play one of the red green commanders that has access to uh combat phase doubling and then you also have a natural growth on the table. Uh, someone, someone going to die. Someone going to yeah, die. Sadly, it doesn't work the way I wanted to with um, some of the doubling cards, where it says double the number of counters. It doesn't say like double its power. Like Heroes Bane says, add X where X is the number of counters on it, or something like that. So it doesn't always work the way I wanted to, but it frequently just does amazing things and. If you want this version, which is uh, unquestionably uh, much rarer uh, than the FEA copies are, then you should get your copies now. I feel like I probably bought Foil Extended Arts of this in Japan, and I'm curious whether I bought any along the way in North America. Yeah, I bought some $12 copies, a small handful, to, to stake claim in late November of 2021. And that was too soon. Could have just waited six months more and got them at eight fifty or nine dollars. 
which is probably something I will do after this cast. I think I'll probably grab some of these silver screen ones too because there's very few of them around. It's in 19,000 decks already. That's a very That's strong, yeah. very strong showing. And they don't give you doubling cards very often. So when we originally talked about this, we we referred to Fiery Emancipation as a spec that's made me a ton of money. Right. And and basically in any version. Regular. Yes. Regular foil. EA, foil EA, Japanese of all of the above, or English, I've had no trouble selling that card. And I think Unnatural Growth, given another 6 to 12 months, is probably going to be the same kind of thing. I agree. All right. Good one. Uh, my final selection here is the most played Mythic out of Streets of New Capenna in 6,000 decks on EDHREC so far. Big treasure synergy card that was right on our radar, on our radar right from the start. Bootlegger's Stash. Uh, this is the one that makes all your lands tap for treasure tokens, which in decks like Corvold just gets completely out of control right away. Because if you cast this, say you've got six or seven lands and a soul ring and a mana rock or something in the mid game, then you probably tap the rocks and a few lands and then the remaining lands make treasure tokens. Then those can sack to cast a card, which also triggers Corvold three times and shit snowballs in a hurry if they let you untap with it on, on the board. I will say that early comments from Jason Alt and others about how six mana is a lot. And sometimes you top deck this into a situation where it doesn't do what you want it to do. Or uh, other comments I heard from pro traders about how if you don't have the treasure synergies, then you don't you don't have as much reason to run this. So you can't really compare this to something like, say, the Great Henge, where if you're in green and you have creatures, you can probably justify the Great Henge in your deck. But just being in green doesn't necessarily mean you want to be running bootlegger stash, not the least reason of which is that a lot of the treasure synergies are not necessarily in green. There are more of them as time goes on, but... You know, it's a it's a mixed bag. All that being said, still has very solid stats for Mythic. Currently, you can get copies of this at 15. Maybe you're you're hoping that they're going to collapse a little further. You're going to get a Facebook social media deal on them, $12, $13 or something. Uh, maybe you're going to, you're a, a vendor on TCG Player and you can pick them up at buy list pricing. Uh, I think that looks pretty solid because I suspect that within 12 to 18 months, this is going to be a $25 to $30 card. So the closer you can get these to 10 and assuming that you're willing to wait on that horizon, I think you'll get paid off. Uh, very unique card. I don't expect them to print other analogs to this. There's going to be tons of other treasure, treasure synergy stuff that boosts demand for this, but this specific effect, lands equal treasure tokens, is not something they're going to want to repeat very often and, and create a bunch of uh, duplication of. I, I think this is another one where I would prefer to wait, like you said. Um, it is trending downward, and we're, we're not done with Streets of New Capenna. Um, we do have uh, Double Masters 2 coming out. We are in the middle of uh, Baldur's Gate, so there's not like we have the same level of season and everything that we used to. But at the same time, um, the, the pricing has shown me recently, and you talked about buying in too soon about... Uh, natural growth a minute ago um i'm waiting longer for these sorts of specs and i'm i'm letting the bottom uh happen three six nine months out in some cases because i i agree that long super long term this card will get there i just want this to be the lowest possible buy-in price i can and so i'm not putting this high on the i have to buy this right now scale 
So it's I think also, if you can wait a little longer, this will this is money in the bank. It's also relevant to roll back the tape on the top played mythic from Neon Dynasty, for instance. Like at Sushi is the second most played mythic at ten thousand decks, uh, four months out on EDH rack, and it's like a five dollar card. Yeah. Jinji Taxius, Progress Tyrant, is the most played, but not by a lot. Very similar stats on EDH Rack to Atsushi. Probably has a little bit more of a nostalgia pull for some players. Like, some people might just buy the card because they like Phyrexians in general. Who doesn't? Uh, uh, and that card, say, three months uh, or six weeks out from its release, which is kind of where Streets of New Capenna is at, was about 15 as well. And since then, it has drifted down as low as 1150 and been as high as 13 and as of right now you can get them for about 10 bucks so you you might be entirely right like i think it's probably fair for me to take this 15 dollar target and make it a conditional like look for this make a note to look for this price later and say something like 12 and say that that's that's the kind of the where it starts to get attractive to try to snap these off I, I know that uh, six to nine months is, is my timeline because I wrote an article, I think about a month ago, about uh, moving too soon and uh, looking back over some of the things I've bought in the past six to 12 months, um, I'm noticing a, a trend of when, when I used to buy is no longer where I want to be buying now. So Streets of New Capenna cards, I'm waiting more till like thanksgiving christmas before i'm buying these cards more and more i'm seeing two highly divergent trends with each new set you have a set of underestimated cards sometimes it's because the card is a better card than people first gave it credit for ledger shredder is a good example unlicensed curse is a good example Um, sometimes it's because the rarity was underestimated foil borderless ancient dragons for instance um sucking up a ton of EV because of how hard they are to pull, um, how infrequently they drop out of the related product. Those can spike very hard, very fast, on the basis of either uh, emergent play pattern or uh, narrative sur- surrounding supply, and you want to get in and out of them within you know two, three weeks kind of thing, and you're going to do very well. If something doesn't get caught up in that initial hype, then it's probably going to follow that timeline you're talking about where it's going to trend downward for a period of months, even if it's seeing very solid play in Commander. The 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 cards that are Commander-specific, that don't see standard Pioneer Modern play alongside sometimes Legacy, um, will, will be able to float down because they're not buying it, being bought by real players four at a time. They're buying being bought one at a time, and that makes a tremendous difference. I agree, and uh, that that is uh, in line with what I've been seeing out of uh, the, the sort of cards I bought. Like, I can't wait to buy a giant stack of Miriam in the Sentinel Worm in uh, in etched foil because I think that frame looks sweet, and I think showcase showcase art is stupid for the dragons. Um, but I know that I can wait, and I will get this card ridiculously cheap, and I'm I'm really looking forward to getting a, a big brick of them. All right, so back in, I guess it was, I think it was late. There was supposed to be a drop from Beetle and Grimm's, which is a third-party company run by the guy from Scream, <laughs> of, of all people. 
um, who is a bit of a D&D personality and has been floating around in the D&D streaming world for a few years now. And he has pulled together partners who have started this company, Beetle and Grimms. And their whole approach is to provide higher-end accessories for Wizards of the Coast brands, primarily. They, they, they tend to focus on Magic and Dungeons and & Dragons. Um, they also do some stuff for Pathfinder, and this is kind of their whole thing. So back in the Kamigawa preview season, they announced this Kamigawa pack that had a whole bunch of stuff. A backpack, a, a neon light-up uh, playmat, there was a map, there was a plushie, there was a life counter, some coins, etc., etc. And it was like some cool stuff, but the price point was really high. Uh, I'm in Canada, so I'm seeing a default to 656 Canadian, but let me know it's, what the, it's the U.S. It's 499 did. U.S. Right. So $500, they never did sell out of this. You can still buy them. Still available. So I think that they, you know, they, Wizards didn't give up on them. They gave them another chance. They, they launched this thing, Here Be Dragons, on uh, Monday, and it was a Magic the Gathering limited edition secret layer drop. And this time they got smart. They told people it's not... Uh, made to order there are exactly 10,000 units and we know from past experience but but i don't think it's necessarily widely known amongst players that the average secret layer is probably something in the 15 to 25,000 unit range but we know that there have been some that have been a couple times you know two or th- two to two and a half times more than that like for instance the, the Phyrexian, Phyrexian praetors was supposedly reportedly tens of thousands pushing a hundred thousand I, I i find that number hard to believe but but i do believe that it was a lot the bottom line being that these are at least two three four times as rare this beetle and grims drop than your average secret layer drop now the contents of this are, are also a shift it's more of a, a focus on the cards less on the accessories although there was some of that being coughed up there is a dragon skin black deck box that looks fine it's, it's not my taste personally because faux dragon skin just you knows not really where I want to be. There's some cool sleeves, dragon sleeves. Uh, unknown who is making those sleeves. If you know, let me know. But I don't think it was announced. And then the rest of it is seven limited edition traditional foil cards. Except they're not regular frame. They are the D&D first edition rulebook. Yeah, monster manual frame. Look, look and feel. It's called the monster manual frame. So... They're giving us Old Gnawbone, which is one of my best sellers this this spring, so that's cool, because a fancy version of Old Gnawbone, Gnawbone will sell well. They give us a fancy version of Tiamat, which will also do well, um, even though it just came out last summer. This is cool, a cool addendum to that release. And then it's the rest of the dragons from AFR last summer. So Ebon Death, Dracolich, Inferno of the Star Mounts, Imerith, Desert Doom, Icing Death, Frost Tyrant, uh, and then the equipment for Icing Death, the Icing Death Frost Tongue. Unfortunately, most of the rest of those are misses. So a lot of this hangs on Old Nawbone and Tiamat. I would expect the others will be a fraction of the cost of the first two. There's also a dragon uh, life counter that is heavily reminiscent of the scry counters from back at the start right. of our experience with this game. And I think will appeal to to folks that are from that era. I always kind of thought that the motifs that were available on the sky counters were not as cool as they could have been. 
because it was like wizards and a, a hand gripping a ball and right. a couple of other things that just weren't that sexy. A dragon kind of like crouching on its hoard is uh, a bit more interesting. Now, these were posted at, was it one twenty nine ninety nine US? One one twenty five US. One twenty five US. I see it as one sixty five Canadian. And then there was shipping on top, and the shipping wasn't split per unit. I think it was shipping per unit up to ten units ordered, no matter how many units you got, right? I don't know. I I actually didn't have a chance to put in a multiple multiple order on this, so. I think that's what I saw the pro traders post. Um, personally, I, I snapped off four units and called it a day. That was before. I think I think there was early access that went on for a couple of hours, and then it lasted a few hours more, and then they sold out. And I had said to the pro traders, "I'm not 100 percent on this drop. I'm not going aiming to get the ten right off the bat because I think this can go one of two ways. Either people go." Vendors and speculators go at it super hard, and there's a smattering of players mixed in there too that are collectors and want, and are on the ball that morning and are ready to buy. And if they enough of those people get involved, vendors and speculators, and they start maxing out orders, ten at a ten a piece, then you really only need a thousand orders to clean things up. Now, in real realistically, there's probably something like two and a half thousand to four thousand orders total, I would guess, because a lot of the orders are just for one unit. But most of the most of the units, I would guess, were associated with four to ten unit orders uh, from vendors and speculators. So I suspect that the these were mopped up largely speculatively. It's not that hard to clean up ten thousand units of anything. And now the question becomes: Are there actually enough players with enough FOMO that they these can post up at say three hundred dollars a unit on the secondary market and stay there? The problem with something like this is that by the time it actually releases, like if these shipped tomorrow, I think people's exits would be a lot better. I agree with that 100%. The issue is that when these aren't ready to ship, by the time they ship in whatever it is, September, a lot of the people that might have had, might have FOMO right now in the moment, where they, they went to the page to buy it and they saw the sold out sign and then they rushed to eBay to check. And uh, my man, they're going to move on. They're going to forget about it. They're going to get excited about something else. <laughs> and I suspect that there will be, a, that it's that there's a, a, a decent possibility that when we get to September and these start getting posted, that they will float down from what, I, I think some people are going to pay three to $400 this week. But I think by the time we get to September, you're going to see people undercutting each other, trying to unload their units, and it'll get pushed down to something more reasonable. I would not be surprised to see $180 copies on TCG Player by late September, where there's like where there's like a, a like a decent margin. You make 20% after fees and shipping in under six months. I could see that being a reasonably predictable outcome. Now, it's also possible I'm totally wrong. And and no, everyone refuses to post these under three hundred, and then stacks up their copies at three forty, three sixty, three eighty, and is looking to be last man out pulling a Travis Allen. But you know that part of the narrative remains to be written. There's just like if something, you're right. It needs to be more immediate, especially with like oh it's sold out, but uh, here we go with um, people 
being able to buy them in the frenzy of it sold out at the regular price. Uh, you need to capitalize on the feeling of, oh, we missed out. Uh, do you remember what the shipping time was on the Mythic Editions way back when? Well, Mythic, the first Mythic Edition was sold out instantly, shipped pretty very near to instantly, like within a week or so, I think. And right. then And then the rest were distributed at GPs. Because I was yeah. paying people at GPs to buy me extra copies and then selling them. And I was actually borrowing people's units that they had purchased and had in hand and selling them, shorting them. So I, I thought they were going to slide because if you recall, there, there was they were being released GP by GP. And right. so it was a staggered release pattern every couple weeks for, for a few months. For the, for the first Mythic Edition. And so I borrowed units up front, sold them at peak pricing, and then got people at GPs to buy me additional units and return them to the original owners, no harm, no foul, because they were just people that were planning to hold it anyway, and actually managed a short physical sealed product. The, the only time I've ever pulled that off in Magic. Well, the, the point I was trying to make is that like there was a real... Uh, there's a, like a feeding frenzy going on for some of the cards because... You're able to capitalize on that, that, that FOMO of, oh my god, it's sold out, I have to have it, I still want it, I'm willing to pay some extra money. And you're going to see some of that on eBay in the next you know week or so. You're going to see some people who, uh, you know, it'll say in really big letters, pre-order, not available till August or September or whatever. And they're going to pay 200 250 and you're going to make some money on the, the quick, the immediate flip. But you're also going to have, um, like you said, people who are trying to make their 15 to 30% and just make that flip once it gets in hand as well. And there's going to be a lot of undercutting. So we'll see what it ends up being at. And you're like, I've, I've got a lot of rants about um, the Monster Manual frame. It's got a very specific uh, group who are into it. And the first set of these that, that were done with uh, AFR, like there's there's not a lot of these expensive uh, monster manual cards around. So I don't... No, I'm sorry, this wasn't AFR. This was... Um, no. Uh, yeah, it was AFR. The original this... monster manual cards are AFR. Okay, so we just didn't get these dragons in that treatment. Correct. So yeah, I don't... I just... I don't like the frame. I don't think it's sold well enough and it commands a premium enough for them to have done this particular frame to these particular dragons. That's all. I think they just, they're ha- I think they committed to all that like ages ago. That there was going to be AFR and Commander Legends 2 and a secret layer and they were all going to use this frame to some extent. And once they were, that ball was rolling, it, they, there was just no turning back. Um, I think it's worth looking at the inherent value of this. You got a deck box that's probably going to be worth 20 or 30 bucks. It does say there's a secret surprise in the deck box. You've got some sleeves that are worth about ten bucks. You got a secret surprise, uh, apparently. Tiamat borderless foils from AFR go for about fifty dollars. There's thirty listings left on TCG Player. Tiamat is also has a version that's one of the most expensive of any card released in the last year <clears throat> because it was the preeminent uh, AFR ampersand promo which were the promos given out to stores that they distributed uh, during game days and so forth to winners of big tournaments. Um, and that version of Tiamat 
hard to believe this is going to surpass it, but it may end up setting a psychological benchmark for people that Tiamat's could be this expensive because the ampersand has hold held pretty well. Like you talk about one year pricing, you would have thought that Tiamat would fall off. And in, indeed, it spiked to 725 pretty early, then fell down to about 550. But since late September, about two months after its release, it's done nothing but go up. It went from 564 to currently in the 900 range. And there's only nine listings. And the lowest one currently on TCG Player is 825 and then 880. So Tiamat's a card that has commanded a strong price. Now, Old Gnawbone, good seller for me this year, also has done very well. Old, Old Gnawbone Borderless Foils are currently closing in at 100 last I looked. Uh, near Mint... 75 currently with 16 listings left. So even if you just benchmark against the borderless foils from AFR and then you apply a supply premium to these ones from Beetle and Grimm's, then you're still looking at something like $130 in value just on the two cards alone. So you might not need to worry too much about how bad the rest of these dragons are. Let's say that they go for five to 10 bucks a piece. Let's say the life counter ends up being 10 to 20 bucks. The deck boxes, somewhere between 15 and 30 bucks. The sleeves are 10 bucks. <clears throat> if all of that is selling on the open market around those prices, then I think you can justify pretty close to a 200 to $250 price point on TCG Player once the inventory hits all at once. Currently, there's only one pre-order uh, seller on TCG Player, and they're looking for 400 for their copies. eBay is... Same kind of thing, people looking for 300 plus. So this will be worth looking, watching because given that they sold out 10,000 units and generated over a million dollars in revenue in two hours, and Wizards gets a nice healthy cut of that, trust me, that's a nice, that proves to Wizards that secret layers don't need to be $40. Between that and how well the flip cut the uh, flip commander deck from Gavin Verhey from the November Oh right, the drop. coin flipping deck, yeah. Yeah, between the coin flipping deck, which I think was a hundred bucks a piece, if I'm not mistaken, and right. this, which was a hundred and twenty-five, you said, plus plus shipping plus taxes. So closer yeah. to 150 for a lot of people. I will not be at all surprised to see more of this. You know, to see three two, three, four hundred dollar secret layers in the next few years, where they where they edge back towards what Mythic Edition style releases were like. Um, now, the other thing that happened related to Secret Layer this week was just a plain old super drop. We're getting these every, I don't know, about eight weeks or so now. They've backed off the pace a little bit from, from the previous year, actually. like People complain about how much magic, magic product is coming out. But I think the last the other super drop was Pride, which is ongoing. And then before Pride, it was, let me just see, past sales. February, right? February super drop. So we're getting the next, we got a super drop in April, and then it's like on the two-month schedule, like I was saying. Now, this looks like a pretty good drop, but it doesn't look like the kind of drop that you need to buy the full bundle on. Because there's a, but the art's amazing, but as you and I constantly complain about, there's a bunch of amazing art that would have been just incredible borderless. But they seem reluctant to overuse that with the secret layers. And so a lot of these artist series uh, cards just use a regular frame with great art on it. 
but it doesn't really show off the art that well. And they also are being very judicious in how they split up the money cards. Because there were some leaks around this, so we knew some of what was coming here. And people were speculating as to whether some of that would be bundled together in the same drop. So, for instance, we have an artist series, Chris Ron, or Ran, I'm not sure what the pronunciation of your name is, Chris, sorry about that. And this one has Kozilek the Great Distortion, Primeval Titan, Huntmaster of the Fells, and Platinum Angel. Well, the Kozilek is going to be the money card there. Primeval Titan get, get, has just gotten so many versions. Like we just got an OBF of Primeval Titan last year. And this is does not trump that at all. Like The, the art's fine, but it's not amazing. The Kozilek art is really good, and that's probably the best Platinum Angel art we've had. And it looks like this one comes in foil etched, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's regular and foil etched. So, you know, people are going to chase that Kozilek, I would imagine. And then in the Vulcan Baga... I think the... The only one that's foil etched is the uh, the Tokyo Lands. All the others appear to be traditional foil. Really? Because when I load the page for Chris Ron Foil Edition, I'm seeing regular and foil etched. It just says, "Oh, you have regular." Uh, well, it, it just says foil, whereas in the uh, in the so on the picture it says foil on the little uh, button yep. there, and then on the Tokyo Lands, uh, like when you're choosing which secret layer to, to look at. That's the only one where it says etched, so I don't know if that's a yeah. Typo something, on... something something might be broken here in the in the in the HTML or the style sheets for the page or whatever. the The Vulcan Baga has Elspeth Knight Errant with really great art anchoring that one, and then it's got Patron Wizard, Berserk, and Viduran Enchantress. Cool, but not necessarily super money cards. We've also got a Livia Prima foil edition with just four cards and this time it's a chroma angel of wrath micaeus the unhallowed glissa sunseeker and olivia mobilized for war and in this case it hinges on micaeus which last got a premium version as a foil box topper for ultimate masters if i'm not mistaken Uh, then we've got a tokyo lands basic foil uh, or basic tokyo themed basic lands edition called the tokyo lands and it comes in regular and foil etched these lands are great but i have the same concern that many pro traders do which is there's just so many great basics now and every couple months they give us more how easy are these going to be to sell now the flip side of that is i said the same thing a year year and a half ago about the godzilla lands and they did very well they ended up being one of the best one of the better secret layers to buy so are these as good as the godzilla lands i honestly couldn't tell you then there's a rule the room which is foil borderless or or regular borderless bramaz king of arescos arcanus the omnipotent queen marquesa and savra queen of the golgari so these are strong edh cards that can be played as generals or in the 99 of a bunch of decks uh and I think I like these the best in terms of art because A, great art, B, it's borderless, borderless. so it's just yeah. automatically shows off that great art better. But I think if you are just looking for a one-stop shopping experience on this June Super Drop, most of the pro traders are agreed that the correct target is the Kellogg Loops special guest because this one is the first ever foil Mystic Remora. And it's not just the first ever foil Mystic Remora, which was a Ice Age card? Yeah. 
It is Ice Age didn't have foils. Um, it's from the pre-foil era. It's a foil borderless Mystic Remora, so just clearly better than the pre-existing option. And the Ice Age one might be iconic to some Commander players at this point, but it's not a great-looking card. This this it's is literally a, Remora, <laughs> and, and this one is a great-looking card. Like this art is fantastic. Now you also get Retreat to Coral Helm. Eh, okay, combo card that isn't super welcome at most EDH tables because usually when it does things, it does very bad things. And the rest of the time, it doesn't do much. But it does also give you Burgeoning and Utopia Sprawl. And Burgeoning was last seen as a foil in, I want to say, Conspiracy 2 or something. If that sounds right, let me look real quick. Yes, it was... Uh, in Stronghold, so it never had a foil in Stronghold. It was in Commander 2016, where it also did not have a foil. And then it was in Conspiracy Take the Crown, which was about five years ago, I believe. And those foils are currently going for, because they are the only burgeoning foils, $70. I mean, it's in nearly 30,000 Commander decks. That sounds right-ish, especially for a card that hasn't been printed since the... 2016, you know, Commander 2016, and then uh, Conspiracy 2, so, yeah. And Mystic Remora is in a lot. It is in 116,000 decks. So that means this one has two S-tier staples. They are both the best version of the card available. You've also got a Utopia Sprawl. So I think getting the foils of the Kellogg loops and just maxing on those is probably the way to go. And I just I just posted an analysis in the Discord, I think it was on Friday, in our best ideas section, um, which is where the uh, mods can, can throw knowledge down the pipe of the pro traders, looking at the Shockland bundles from April of 2021, the secret layer where you had five different uh, drops each that had three uh, specific shock lands and the way it all worked out was that if you bought the bundles of those or if they all sold roughly equally you would end up having two hallowed fountains temple gardens blood crypts and stomping grounds and watery graves for every one copy of godless shrines breeding pool steam vents overgrown tomb and sacred foundry and sure enough the the cards, the uh, drops that ended up uh, doing the best were the Grixis and the Bant. And the Grixis and the Bant were my choice at the time. And I think Alexis had posited this, uh, this theory about going after the Grixis and the Bant instead of going after the bundles. Even though the bundles had an inherent discount of i think it was i think it was 120 for the bundle if i remember right because i sold my bundle yeah instead of 150 which would have been five times 30 for if you got them all five individually so it was an inherent 20 percent discount and those if you assume 17 percent for fees and shipping trying to sell uh you know all 15 shocks from the bundle you can currently sell them for 248 so that's about 206 after fees and shipping, which is about 29% ROI in about in a bit over a year. Solid. But if you went after just the Grixis and Bant 
versions and skipped the bundle, forsaking the 20% savings, you would end up going with 66% gains uh, on the Grixis and 38% for Band, both of which beat out the bundle, which is interesting. I think this could be another situation like that where the Kellogg loops, will foils will end up outpacing the bundles despite the discount, implied discount. Right. Uh, like I, I did the exactly what you said. I bought uh, bundles and I've already sold the bundles. Um, I just listed them at I think two forty, and finally uh, got some seller got uh, got those out of my hands just in time to turn over for uh, I think for the Street Fighter secret layers. Um, well, well, the other the other thing is the reason I I posted this whole thing was because the we got the drop date for Infinity, which has the foil borderless. Uh, space-themed shocklands. So I think you definitely want to be out of your fancy shocklands that are less fancy than those before the fall. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. You want you don't want to be messing around with um, these not-themed, not-shine... They weren't available in foil in the bundle. They were just non-foil. Correct. This. So um, somebody who is buying a bundle of shocklands is, you know, building their Ur-Dragon deck and they want everything to match. Or they just want unique art because the art That's the true. art is unique on these versions for the secret layer and and it was strong and then and before oh who's the Montreal artist who showed up at the Canadian protest and lost a bunch of followers um, uh, oh um Seb McKinnon yeah McKinnon uh yeah so Seb McKinnon did really some really great art on I think it was the Blood Crypt uh, on these shocks anyway bottom line. Do you see anything on this June Super Drop that strikes you as being a better bet than the Kellogg Loops Foil Edition? No, that is uh, in line with you know everybody else. You know these are gorgeous lands, uh, and if you buy the bundle bundle, you're getting you know ninety dollars off. But that's basically a set of at a set of non foil lands at thirty foils at forty. So you're getting those two things free and like $20 off one of everything. If you buy the full bundle bundle, that's one of every non-foil, one of every foil. Bundle bundle is 22% off. So you, it's a yeah, little yeah. little better than the than it was with the shocks. But and those that, that tends to vary in about a 5% yaw like yeah. plus minus uh, from bundle to bundle. I don't know why, it just does. I'm um, just so mad. I'm so mad about the stupid secret layer artist series like chris ron did all the swords right he did the double-bladed swords that look hellaciously cool like chris ron did uh ugin and uh you know all kinds of other chris ron did the original tiamat you know okay and we're getting why i don't want fucking flavor text on these cards if you're gonna tell me it's artist uh series like give me the art like give me some textless. Give I don't want. F- there's flavor text on these. They're like no no no. One inch by two inch is perfectly fine to showcase these incredible pieces of art. Like Vulcan Baga did the uh, inventions for Soul Ring Mana Crypt and Sword of Fire Nice. Like the the original Mox Opal with all that detail. Snapcaster. You know these are people who have shown us they can do amazing things. And what do they give us? The exact same one. This is this is such a fail in my brain. Okay. It could be, though, that the Chris Ron 
uh, drop is still fine because there's no fancy version of Kozilek the Great Distortion. That's an Oath of the Gatewatch card. It's never seen a reprint. Given that it's in the secret layer, I seriously doubt it's in Double Masters 2 or anything else for the rest of the year. Don't rule anything out. It just doesn't make sense. You don't release two versions of the card alongside each other that quickly. Like they Wizards, do that. They, they have done that, though. But so infrequently. It, it's, right. And this is not a priority card. This is only in 1% of all colorless decks on EDH Rec, which is about 10,000 decks, which is decent, but not great. Like, a good card, a, a true A to S tier staple in EDH gets to 10,000 decks in three months or less. Like, 10,000 right. decks in five years is not impressive to me. Um, you know, mostly sees play in big mana colorless decks or big mana blue decks or whatever. Now, that said, there is a supply side play here because the only other version, fancy version of Kozilek the Great Distortion out of both of the Gatewatch is the original foils. They're down to 11 listings on TCG Player. It's a $50 foil. So, if you can pick up the foil set, Chris Ron art, and I think that that art is at least as good, if not better. Debatable, but it's it's at least on the same level as the original. Uh, you know, that card might carry the whole the whole drop. And then Primeval Titan, Huntmaster, and Platinum Angel only need to be five to ten bucks a piece to put you in a pretty decent decent position. How many promo versions of Primeval Titan have we got? Oh shit! I mean, Primal Titans got has had plenty of reprints, but a lot of them were. You know, there was I think back to back core sets at one point. Isn't that right? Uh, they were back to back core sets. There was a Grand Prix promo. It was in Masters 2015, Iconic Masters. There's an old Border foil from Time Spy Remastered, and it was in another Secret Layer. Drop oh yeah, yeah, yeah! It was got... in the Call Time Frame Secret Layer yeah. drop with the so, Titans. Like, I. Th- I think this might be the first secret lair reprint that we've gotten. Mm, I need to not the first, but it's I think one of the first five, if I'm not mistaken. They don't do it all that often, but they will keep doing it. Like we're they will keep doing it. There's no question of that. It's just like this is like why prime. Well, they they just got to choose cards that are in a certain price range, so they don't you know blow the market up. I agree with you. Uh, it doesn't take much for this to be a very worthwhile set of purchases. I'm just I'm just mad at the fact that on this drop, we have uh, one set of full art lands, one set of borderless cards, and that's it. The rest are just regular all the way through. In some ways, I'm fine with it. I, I think that more specs would get killed faster if these were always borderless. And it would dull the blade of things like Double Masters 2 and other premium sets because if they're giving us borderless foils every two months they're going to burn through a lot of reprint equity whereas with this like this this the problem with this primeval titan is the other secret layer version the cal time frame is clearly better clearly like chris Ron, chris Ron's art's fine but the cal time frame is really good and and at least that gives you a benchmark because the non-foils in th- from that drop are 17, the foils are 18. So there's not much of a foil premium there. It actually suggests you should have just got the regulars. But it does suggest that, you know, even if the- these Primeval Titans are half that, they probably hold at least $10 worth of value, which means the Kozilek foils only need to be, you know, 20. And you'd be pretty close to covering your drop. And... We don't know what the secret cards are for these. Often you get a bonus. 
Sometimes the bonus sucks and it's worth nothing, but sometimes it's a persistent partitioners. They've been releasing a bunch of versions of that over the last year. So there might be, you know, a very slim chance of pulling one of those out of these or some new fancy thing that we don't know about yet. Cause often we don't, we don't get any advance warning when they switch over to a, a new set of bonuses. So when you consider that there are probably a bonus in here, like for instance, in the Tokyo lands drop, maybe there's a waste as the bonus or something, you know, a sixth, sixth basic. Um, and who knows what the, the bonuses will be in the others. But if I'm, if I'm guessing, I think Kellogg loops, Chris Ron probably look strongest to me. I think the Vulcan Baga one is actually going to be pretty reasonable too. Like that Elspeth has been uh, always good, although she's had like two or three printings of that, that particular one now, right? The problem with that Elspeth is I think people will buy it as a col- yeah I think people will buy it as a collectible. But Elspeth Knight Errant is only in seven thousand EDH decks, and I bet you most of those are not recent because it doesn't yeah. really do the things you want There's it to do. It's solid and like attracts the super friends because it it doubles to eight loyalty and lets you give all of your permanents indestructible immediately under a doubling season but that's true of so many planeswalkers at this point um i can still see, see that elspeth doing well because it is truly gorgeous art it's my top one of my, one of the top three pieces of art from the set and great if it was the livia prima with the Micaeus. that Micaeus will probably do pretty well as well I know, but that Micaeus, like, zoomed in looks cool. It's entirely but... possible that what you're actually supposed to do on most of these artist series is buy some Elspeths, buy some Kozilex, and buy some Micaeuses when these drop. <laughs> and forget the forget the, the drops themselves. Like, Berserk, in its cheapest version in Conspiracy is $30. Conspiracy 2, I should say. Non-foil? Yeah. Okay. That surprises me. I was surprised by that, too. Yeah, Chroma's worth nothing. Um, that's a shame. Because that's a cool piece of a Chroma art, too. But, yeah, you know, this is uh, a, an example of they, they want to be very judicious with the uh, card choices, and there's clearly, like, one uh, more valuable and then, like, a couple of fillers around. Like, we're just yep. getting a reprint of Olivia Mobilized for War, which was... Oh, no, wait, that wasn't in this round of Innistrad, was it? No. This is that this was... is from the the second visit to Innistrad. Yeah, Shadows Over. It was, it was a spec that never got there. Yeah. Well, she's not going to get there now, for sure. No. And, and this is the best version of the card. But again, like, between between her and Glissa, you know, relatively minor league cards, Akroma is, you know, a pretty solid reanimation ta- target, and maybe you throw it in Giada or whatever. But Micaeus is definitely the the premier card in that that release. And this is a dollar for Mirrodin. She's only in how many decks? She's in less than a thousand decks. Wow. So normally I would try to get a so a complete write up on this posted for the Pro Traders uh, within forty eight hours of the release. I do have a vacation coming up this week, so eh, it's a little sketchy. But I'll I'll at least try to put some bullet point notes. <laughs> in, in, in for the pro traders that echo what we're talking about here and uh then i'm probably just going to order some kellogg loops and forget about it <laughs> that's completely reasonable especially because uh when's the double master stream thursday something like that yep yeah yeah it'd be crazy 
All right. So I will actually uh, be signing off here for three weeks. Travis is going to hop back in the saddle and hang out with Cliff for most of the rest of June. I'll uh, I'll be checking in because I'll be on my, my phone the whole time while we're traveling around. And if I get washed away in a river... Um, Listen, don't rule anything out, man. This is not the time to make these jokes. I mean, we got to go through Yellowstone, which is looking really sketchy. Did you see the house that fell into a river in Yellowstone? I, I did see, yes. So clearly you need to adjust your plans here, buddy. It is crazy down here in the States. I don't understand why you would come down here. Healthcare costs money here. Yeah, that's true. But we do have travel insurance to cover that. The uh, In the meantime, where can folks find you online, Cliff? You can find me online on Twitter at Word of Commander, as well as my Friday articles on mtgprice.com. And you guys can find me on Twitter at mdgcritic, as well as my articles on mtgprice.com in the ProTrader Discord, setting up all the group buys, yada, yada, yada. Also like to remind our listeners to check out the mdgprice.com ProTrader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5, that's FINANCE with the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. That's it for today, James. Drive safe, man. You're gonna make it out here to uh, to the bay, right? We're gonna have a lunch. We're, we're gonna be we're gonna be pretty close. I don't know if we're gonna pull off that lunch because <laughs> I looked at our travel schedule, and that morning we're supposed to jet across from somewhere up northwest of you to Napa Valley and on to Yosemite all in the same day. So that's a lot of driving, but we'll, you might not make it. We'll, we'll see. see how it goes. Uh, but thank you, Cliff. Thank you, Travis, uh, for filling in, and we will see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.